Today we're going to continue a series we started several weeks ago about some of the amazing stories from the Old Testament. This is, um, just to be honest, this is one of the series that has been received the best uh, in our last couple of years together. And several of you talked about it. There are other stories that we'd like to see and prayed about it and felt the Lord kind of leading us to look at a few more. And let me just kind of tell you where we're going for the next couple of weeks because I'm going to need your help in a couple of weeks, all right? Uh, here's where we're going. First of all, this week we're going to talk about a great story out of Genesis, uh, the story of a, a young man who grows and goes through difficulty throughout his life and sees the Lord do some amazing things. We're going to talk about Joseph this morning. Next week we're going to talk about Moses at the Red Sea. And then the week after that we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're going to do what I call congregation's choice. All right? Now, here are the rules about congregation's choice. First of all, it is not stump the pastor. So this does not mean to go into Leviticus and find the most obscure story you can find that's one verse long and say, that's what we want, all right? It's one of these amazing stories from the Old Testament that we are just haven't covered or not going to cover in the next couple of weeks that you would like to hear a sermon about. There are several ways you can let me know what those are, and here are three um, and then I'll tell you a fourth in a minute. But the, online, there are three ways. First of all, you can go to our Facebook page. Several of you I know are fans or friends or whatever they call it now of our Facebook page. And you can just write on there uh, to First Baptist Church. This is what I would like to see. Um, you can put it on my Facebook page if you're friends with me as well. If you have Twitter or you know anything about Twitter or you'd like to get Twitter, that's our Twitter handle, FBCGVILLETN. And then you put hashtag amazing stories, that'll kind of uh, let it know for us. And if you just use email and you want to do that, that's my email, all right? So I'll give you a second to write all that down in case you want to do that, you want to think about it. Here's another way. It's called write it down on the bulletin you currently have and put it in the offering plate or the church office or somewhere else, all right? So you got all these new ways, and then the simplest way is... You know where it asks you your name and all that? You don't have to put your name on these. It'd be neat if you did. And here's what I'm going to do, all right? I'm going to collect those over the next week and a half, and then whatever story gets the most, that's what I preach on on the week before Thanksgiving. Now, here's the thing. What if there's a tie? Well, I'm the tiebreaker, all right? And so, but that just, and it has to be a story we haven't covered. So if you, if, you know, if I do Joseph today and I get 14 Josephs, we're not doing Joseph again a couple of weeks. All right. So congregation's choice in a couple of weeks. But here's the general idea of this story or of these stories is that God places these amazing stories in the Old Testament. And in the purpose of which is to teach us some very interesting things about life and about following him. This week we're going to talk about Joseph. Now, Joseph was part of kind of an important family, right? Anybody offhand know how many chapters there are in Genesis? Fifty, right? I heard that. There are fifty chapters in Genesis. Joseph's family, four generations of Joseph's family, consist of 39 chapters of that book. It's the most attention given to any one family outside of the kings in Scripture. And the most detail is given about four generations of this family, of any family in Scripture. Now, who was 
Joseph's great, great, that wouldn't be that, just great granddad. Who was his great granddad? Abraham, right? And his granddad was Isaac and his dad was Jacob. You know what's interesting about all that? And this is kind of a side note. When they talk about the God in the Old Testament, they talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Now, the reason they do that is because they're Israel and they're divided into 12 tribes and the 12 tribes are the son of Jacob, right? But the, what's interesting about that is, do you realize the only person in those four generations that doesn't have a negative word said about them in Genesis is Joseph? And he's never mentioned as the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Joseph is a fascinating life. One of the reasons is because his family is both a blessing and a curse. Families can be blessings, right? Amen? Right. I, I, I am just, you know, this past week we did something kind of different. We, um, Thursday, we, we had had just a crazy couple of weeks, and we have a crazy couple of weeks coming, and on Thursday was one of those days we didn't have anything at all after like 3 o'clock after the kids got home from school. So we just decided to have a big family meal, and we decided to have, it was November 1st, so we had Thanksgiving early with just our six at our table for four. All right? Ava's not quite ready, but we had we had chicken and dressing, crock pot chicken. You, know, you put it in the crock pot and it cooks all day. It was man, it was good. Uh, I won't be able to preach this sermon at lunch because I'll be thinking about that. We had that and mashed potatoes and deviled eggs and some roll. I mean, it's just you know. And then we sat around the table just impromptu. I, I just we just kind of talked about it. it's November first. This is the month of thanks month of Thanksgiving. And so we went around the table and everybody just talked about what they were thankful for in their family. Um, it was just a sweet little moment there. Families can be a blessing. Families can also, you know, right? There are times when, when Thanksgiving's over, you're ready to get back in the car and head on home, right? There are times when the difficulties in our lives come from our families. And what's interesting about Joseph is, and we're going to focus kind of on a middle part of his life, um, Joseph is a guy that experienced really good things through his family and really bad things through his family. And what I love about Joseph, and there's a, a verse of Scripture that's, it, that, that's listed in your uh, order of service that's kind of a... It is kind of the theme of his life. And we're going to go through a little bit of his life together. Um, we obviously don't have time to cover his whole life because Joseph's story is about um, 12 chapters of Genesis. We don't have time to read 12 chapters of Genesis today and all God's people said. Amen, right? But there's this verse at the end in chapter 50. Don't turn to chapter 50 because that's not where we're going to kind of settle. But in chapter 50... He's talking to his brothers, and his brothers are concerned. Most of you know the story of Joseph, but his brothers are concerned now that his dad has died, that he's going to take out revenge, that he wouldn't do it while his dad was alive, but because of what they did earlier to him in life, that he's going to take revenge on them now. And so they come to him, and they're concerned, and they're worried. And Joseph says, there's no need to worry. What you intended for evil, God 
intended for good. I read something this week. It's from a poem that he said, the thing that frustrates Satan the most is he keeps coming up with great plans and accomplishing what he desires and then God just turns it into something great. You meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. So let's review Joseph's life. You're going to help me with this. So Joseph is born. Who's Joseph's dad? Jacob. Jacob was an upstanding man, wasn't he? Never did anything really kind of crazy like steal his brother's birthright or... Married two sisters and favor one over the other. What is Joseph's position in the family? Is he the oldest? No, he's the favorite, right? There's a difference between being the oldest and being the favorite. How do we know for sure he's the favorite? What does his dad do for him? Makes him a coat, right? And I'm about to burst some Sunday school bubbles, but that's all right. What kind of coat is it? Probably not, but that's... It says it's, we've always heard it's a coat of many colors, right? And it may be, um, at least Andrew Lloyd Webber thought so when he did the musical Joseph and His Amazing Technicolor Dream Coat, right? But the actual word, here's the interesting about the word, the word is only used twice in the whole Bible that's used for his coat and then the description. And most people now think that what that means after research and research is a long coat. That's not quite as fun, right? That doesn't make as good a projects for the kids in four, four-year-old Sunday school. But here's the point. Whether it's the coat of many colors or a long coat, the point is this. It was a coat that said Joseph was management, not labor. Now, what's the problem with that? The brothers were older and they were the labor, Right? And then Joseph helps his case along by going, oh, by the way, guys, I had a dream last night. You're going to love this dream. It was amazing. I was in the middle, or there was this, there was this grain in the middle, and all of y'all were bowing down to me. What? That's an awesome dream, isn't it? And you all ever had brothers, sisters? How would that have gone over at your supper table? Man, guess what? I had a dream last night. You were going to serve me for the rest of your life. So what did they do to him? They sold him, right? After a lengthy discussion about killing him. You know how mad you have to make your brothers to want to kill you? <laughs> Depends on the brothers is what somebody said, right? So they sell him, right? And they sell him to where? Well, they sell him to some people going to Egypt and they get to Egypt and they put him in, they sell him, they put him on the block, he's sold in slavery, and who buys him? Potiphar. Guy named Potiphar. Now here's what's interesting about that. This is where I want you to turn in, in, in the Bible is go to chapter 39 of the book of Genesis. I mentioned Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical. There's a line in that musical that says, Joseph, don't worry, I've already read the end of the book. Right? Like, I know how it's going to end, so Joseph, you don't worry. Here's the problem. Joseph had not read the end of the book. So I want you to think about where he is right now, okay? He went out to check on his brother, and he gets out there, and they have been plotting to kill him. And instead of killing him, they put him in a well and... Say, well, we'll just leave him there. Oh, but wait, we can make some money off of him. So instead of leaving him to die, we'll sell him into slavery. Now, I know that some of you in this room may come from family situations that aren't good. 
But there are few situations that are as bad as your brothers selling you into slavery because they don't like you. And then he's a slave in the house of an Egyptian. Chapter 39 talks about that a little bit. And it says in verse 2, this is just an amazing verse to me. The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man serving in the household of an Egyptian master. By the way, Joseph's story has about as many twists and turns as any uh, novel you would want to read, right? It's the good news, bad news all over the place time. Good news, Joseph, your dad loves you. Bad news, your brother hates you, right? So he gets to Potiphar's house and it says the Lord is with him. And this is what I love about Joseph. Wherever he is planted, he grows. The Lord is with him. He starts to prosper. Everything's good. They lived happily ever after, right? No. What happens? Potiphar's wife. That's all you got to say, right? It says that Joseph was a good-looking boy, and Potiphar's wife noticed. And what happens next is that Potiphar's wife pursues Joseph to the point of falsely accusing him of making advances and forcing himself upon her. One of the things that Joseph teaches us over and over again is that difficulty in life reveals the character inside of us. Difficulty reveals character. I mean, this isn't the last instance either. I mean, Joseph, think about the difficulty in his life. He gets sold into slavery. He ends up in jail. The guys in jail say that we're going to take care of you because of what you've done for us. And he gets out of, they get out of jail and they what? They forget him. Time after time, not small things, not I broke a hangnail or fingernail. It's major things. And our character is revealed when difficulty comes. So Potiphar's wife accuses him. He ends up getting thrown in jail because of her accusation. Look what it says in verse 21. This is right after. So Joseph was there in prison. Verse 21 of chapter 39. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. I read this week about uh, a story, it reminded me of a story I'd known for a while, but uh, just an amazing story about Charles Stanley. How many of you know who Charles Stanley is, right? First Baptist Atlanta. He's been the pastor of First Baptist Atlanta for 41 years. That's a long time. He was on staff there two years before he became pastor, and the pastor resigned, and they asked Charles Stanley to fill in to preach. Now, of all the things I know about Charles Stanley, I don't know him, I've never met him, I've met his son, but I've never met him. Of all the things I know about Charles Stanley is, he is a great communicator. And they put him in the pulpit and said, we just want you to preach till we find a new pastor. You know what the problem was? There were a lot of people that wanted him. Church started growing, offerings were up, the place was expanding, people were getting saved, and suddenly the power core at First Baptist Atlanta realized, we've got a problem. We got too many people coming, giving too much money with too many people being saved. We got to get rid of Charles Stanley. Now, they didn't phrase it like that, but they were losing control. And so there were a group of deacons, and 
businessmen that decided to ask Charles to leave. And so they asked him and he said, no. And they offered him a generous severance package and he said, no. And then they threatened him and he said, no. So they decided to call a meeting to vote him out as the interim pastor of First Baptist Atlanta. And their reasoning, they told him, was, as long as you're here, they'll never let us find another pastor. So two weeks before the vote, you know, they had to have the discussion before the vote. Two weeks before the vote, uh, the chairman of the deacons walks up and has an announcement for the congregation about this meeting and then proceeds to tell the congregation his personal feelings about what needs to happen, and it includes Charles Stanley being dismissed. And in the midst of that, somebody asks him a question, and he responds with a four-letter word not appropriate for a church setting. And Charles Stanley walks up to him and says, you need to watch your language from that platform. And the deacon says, you better watch yourself. You might get yourself punched. It's a, you know, we've had some kind of strange business meetings here, but nobody's ever threatened to punch me, at least in my face, I don't think. And Charles Stanley just stood there. You know what the deacon did? He punched him. The deacon punched Charles Stanley in front of the entire congregation. Now, all this story that I'm telling you, I heard from his, or read from his son, Andy. Andy Stanley, who's now one of the most, you know, pastor of one of the largest churches in America, in Atlanta, near his dad, his dad and him are on good terms, said, I learned more about my dad in the aftermath of that meeting than I ever learned at any other time in my life. Charles Stanley put his arm around the deacon and said, I believe God's called me here. We're going to stay the course. Two weeks later, the vote came up for Charles Stanley to be dismissed. It was defeated. Someone made a motion immediately. We, we, I make a motion. We call him as our pastor. Full time. And 41 years later, he's still the pastor of that congregation. It's easy to stand firm in what you believe when it's easy. But character is revealed when it's difficult. Joseph teaches us again and again and again that character following the Lord is difficult when it's difficult, but it's the sign of a person passionately devoted to the Lord. Someone has said that character is doing the right thing according to God no matter the situation or the consequences. Here's the second thing Joseph teaches. I want you to turn to chapter 40 because this is amazing to me as well. Actually, chapter 41, towards the end. And so most of you know the, the story too. If not, I'll kind of recap it for you. So he goes to prison and in prison he meets two people that are servants of the king, right? Uh, and they have two dreams. And one of the dreams is uh, that the God's about to get killed and the other is that you're going to be restored, right? And what happens? One gets killed, one gets restored, they go back. And he just says, when you go, remember me. Well, several years later, the Pharaoh starts having these dreams. And he's like, I don't understand what they are. And the guy goes, oh, I forgot about this guy in prison. 
He can interpret your dreams. And so Joseph comes and he tells them, hey, listen, there are going to be seven years of plenty, but that's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And so this starts to realize that's going on. And Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of the administration of this program. And it says in verse 46, now think about this. Think about all that has happened in Joseph's life, all right? The sold into slavery, the Potiphar's wife, the jail, the Pharaoh, all that. It says in verse 46, he was 30 years old when he entered the service of the king. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, traveled throughout the land of Egypt. And during the land of abundance, they produced harvesting. And uh, Joseph gathered all the excess in the seven years, placed it in the cities. He placed food in every city. So Joseph stored up grain. Verse 50. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of the famine arrived. Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore them to him. And Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh. Meaning, God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. God has made me forget the difficulty of my past. Here's the thing that I want you to kind of dwell on for just a second. Is that our past always influences our destination. It always influences who we are, right? A product of who you are, good, better, indifferent, for better or for worse, is the family into which you were born, the situation in which you were raised, the jobs that you have had, the family you currently have. It makes a difference in who you are. And Joseph had some things from his past that influenced who he was. But here's the second thing that's vitally important. Our past never determines our destination in life. I love what he names his kids. We're going to get to the second one in a minute. It's an amazing testimony to God that he names his first child the one that, 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 his name, we have names today, and you choose names differently today than you did back then, right? I mean, people today choose names based on family or tradition or what sounds weird or good or whatever. But back then, they tried to give meaning to their names, and their names would be sentences. I mean, we read it today, we go, Manasseh, that's not a big deal. But his name literally was, my God has made me forget. So every time he said his name... Hey, my God who has made me forget, come here. It was a sentence. But the point Joseph makes is this. You can't always determine what life gives you, but you can determine whether you're going to give it to the Lord and follow Him or not. Some of you in this room were dealt a really good hand growing up. You had great parents, you had great family. You're not necessarily born with a silver spoon in your mouth, but you never really lacked for anything. You, were, you had good grades and good positions and college and everything went well. And you can't let that be the determining factor in your life. That may be if you advantage, but you pursue the Lord. Some of you in this room grew up with a terrible situation. Or you've experienced something terrible recently. Your family was broken. And perhaps there was abuse or neglect. You didn't get the advantages of other kids. You were definitely not the one with the multicolored coat. Joseph says you can't let the past determine your destination. 
That's what he means by what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And the idea was that God can take any situation in life and turn it into something that is positive and glorious and furthers the kingdom of God. The issue is whether or not you'll let him and follow him. He names his second son, Ephraim. Ephraim means God has made me fruitful. God has blessed. And in those two phrases, Joseph says, God is the one who is responsible for bringing me to the point where I am, both by letting me forget the bad and by being blessed with the good. Can I ask you today whether or not you're allowing the situation of your life to deter you from passionately following the Lord? Whether that's a physical situation, whether that's a family situation, relationship, finances. Are you allowing situations and past events to determine your destination? Or are you trusting the Lord to let you forget the bad things about that and move forward into the future He's got planned for you? I mean, the rest of the story is that Joseph was used by the Lord to bring his family out of famine into plenty and to plant them in a place where several hundred years later, a guy we'll talk about next week, comes along and shows the power of God over the most powerful nation on earth. We never know the situations that God calls us to on a daily basis and how they impact the global story, but we have to be willing to trust Him with who we are and what we have. Would you pray with me?